looking at our vision uh, that we share together, uh, not only as Chipping Camden Baptist Church, but our church plants and those other churches in Cornerstone. And uh, we've been working through, and we're still on making disciples, although because of all our connections with reaching the nations and things, so some of those uh, interchange. Richard Foster, who writes probably one of the most classic books on um, discipleship, Celebration of Discipline, I don't know if many of you have read it. I know it was on the depth reading uh, course as well that uh, Edward uh, led. In his book, he says, in, in our day, heaven and earth are on tiptoe, waiting for the emergence of a spirit-led, spirit-filled, and spirit-empowered people of God. Which is quite something to say. All creation watches expectantly for the springing up of a disciplined, freely gathered, selfless people who know God and walk in his ways and hear his voice. And, and that's a challenge for us to be that people of God, to be a people of God, spirit-led, spirit-filled, spirit-empowered, to be disciplined, freely gathered, selfless, who know God and walk in his ways and hear his voice, because God has called us as his people to be his rescue team in this world. We are here to make him known. That's our mission, to make Jesus known to carry the good news wherever we go. And whenever we leave this place on a Sunday morning, we go out on mission. And whether that takes us to India, or whether that takes us to our office, or, or to our home, or to the school gate, we're there on mission for Jesus. We carry the good news. We are God's people. We know that we are loved. We know that we are forgiven because of the cross of Jesus, and that we are sons and daughters of the living God. We are not religious. We are not those who pretend that we're holier than thou and all the stereotypes of what church is. We have been brought into a relationship with God the Father through the sacrifice of God the Son, the Lord Jesus. And we are filled with his life through the indwelling of God the Holy Spirit. And the challenge that I've been looking at this week is to be who we are, to be who we are in Jesus Christ. The heart of Christianity is a relationship with God. You know, on every Alpha course I do, one of the first things I say is that I am not a religious person, and those who have come who are not Christians kind of get, it grates with them. That's exactly what they think Christians are. But we're not. We're not a religious people. We are a people who have encountered God through Jesus Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit, and we have a relationship with God. And the question for us is, are we living in that relationship, in the life and the joy of it? How is our walk with God? And sometimes a gap can go, grow between what we say we believe and what we actually experience every day. When the ministers in Cornerstone gather together, we have a, two meetings every month, and one of the meetings is an accountability meeting, which we always look forward to, because we challenge each other on our walk with God. We challenge each other on what we're modeling in our own congregations, 
we ask lovely questions like, are you feeling close to God right now or distant? Well, oh, I'm a minister. I mean, of course I'm close to God. And then we start to be honest with one another. How much time and space am I giving to my relationship with God right now? When was the last time we spent any significant time alone with God? When and how has God spoken to you recently and what are you doing about it? These are the kind of questions we ask one another. And they're the kind of lovely questions a lovely pastor would ask any of his sheep in his church. And so I was uh, drawn to John uh, chapter 10. And we're going to read this passage. Uh, it'll be on the screen, John chapter 10, if you have your Bibles with you. Uh, John chapter 10. Reading from verse 1. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock with one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. And you will know if you read through the Gospels that certainly John, in his Gospel, he never writes things in isolation. John is the one who writes the, his Gospel later than any others. He's reflecting theologically. And this 
passage of John chapter 10 is in the context of a discussion that he's been having with the religious authorities. And the question the religious authorities put to Jesus in chapter 8 is, who do you think you are? Doing all these things, saying all these things, who do you think you are? And they're really upset by what Jesus has been doing and saying. And the Jews debate with Jesus. And they're thinking among themselves, is Jesus from God or not? They even accuse him of being from the devil. Is Jesus a prophet or not? Well, they're not sure. Is he the Messiah or not? And they got really upset when Jesus started talking about Abraham. Because Abraham was their kind of hero, father of faith. And Jesus says before Abraham... I was, or I am, is what he said. And it says in John's gospel that the religious authorities picked up stones to stone Jesus because of what he was saying. And then there's the healing of the blind man, which John just, you know, he's using that miracle because he's, he's commentating on the blindness of the religious authorities. Jesus moves on from that discussion and heals a blind man. And the religious authorities are really, they're really overjoyed that the blind man gets healed by Jesus. They're saying, yeah, this is brilliant. No, they're not. They're really upset. Imagine that. This man was blind. Now he can see and they're upset. And they say, you were steeped in sin from the day you were born. These were the people supposed to point to God. And Jesus continues to talk to them in a parable. Verses 1 to 5, he talks in this parable about shepherds and sheep. And they will understand very clearly what he's talking about because the picture of shepherds and sheep was woven into the very fabric of Jewish life and history. And in the Old Testament, again and again, God is pictured as the shepherd of his people. The people were the flock under his care. The Psalms are littered with references to God being the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. You lead your people like a flock. We are the people of your pasture, the flock under your care. And then the prophets in the Old Testament would be warning the people of God against false shepherds who were denounced. Yet God, the real shepherd, would gather his people as lambs in his arms. There's a reference in Ezekiel that God would make the people pass under his rod. And it's an image of the shepherd at nighttime counting in the sheep. They have to go under his rod to get into the pen one by one. And he's checking them just see they're all right. And their greatest king, David, was a shepherd. Their ideal king is pictured as a shepherd. And so here Jesus comes And he starts talking about who he is. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. My sheep know me. They know my voice and they follow me. It's clear that Jesus knows exactly who he is and exactly what he is saying. He is saying he is God, the shepherd. 
And it's this image that Jesus chooses to explain his own claim to be the true king of Israel, as opposed to those false shepherds, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who didn't love the people at all. They stood over them with sort of a rod to beat them. If you're good enough, if you do well enough, if you're religious enough, they didn't know God. Shepherding, certainly in the days of Jesus, was a hard and demanding and costly life. And in a way, there's a discrepancy between all this talk about God being shepherd and the way that people looked upon shepherds in the days of Jesus. They were despised. They weren't esteemed at all, particularly by the religious people because they weren't ceremonially clean because they spent most of their time out in the open with the sheep. Yet you would argue that they lived closer to God. And in the days of Jesus in the east, the sheep were kept for milk and wool. Whereas here in the west, it's, they're kept for meat. And it's a slightly different picture of a shepherd that we have. I, you know, even last night, I was lying awake in bed. I could hear the sheep baring. But I hardly ever see a shepherd. When I do see a shepherd, he turns up on a quad bike with a dog. And a poor old sheep, they're terrified. They're just running and running. Picture in the Bible is very different. Shepherd is in front of the sheep and he leads them and he knows them by name. And he calls them and they recognize his voice because they become familiar with his voice. And he would have a name for every sheep and uh, he would know their characteristics and their markings and things. And whether they're called brown leg or black ears or whatever, they would respond. He would lead them to pasture and water, and the sheep would follow. And even it's said to this day in the Middle East, a shepherd can go into a communal sheep pen in the morning and call his own sheep out one by one, and they come to him. They recognize his voice, and they follow him. And even if another comes and calls they don't come out, which is what we were trying to try out this morning with our children. And you can tell, as Jesus exhibits this, the difference between a true good shepherd and the false one by what they do. The false shepherds don't hang around when it go and gets rough. They're just hired hands. They, they're off. When the wolf comes, they're off. Good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Takes on the wolf. Why he's got a rod. And Jesus here speaks of his death, obviously, when he talks about the good shepherd laying his life down for the sheep. He talks of the cross to come. And that's why we know God loves us so much, because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus says he's the door as well, the gate for the sheep. And whether wherever they were at night, whether he had found, uh, the shepherd would find a little enclosure, it wouldn't have an entrance, it wouldn't have a door. He would become the door. The shepherd would lie down in the entranceway. It would be the only way in and out for the sheep. No one would get in except through him. And again, that echo of what Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father 
but through me. There are not many doors. There are not many ways. Just one. His name is Jesus. There are not many shepherds, not many saviors. Just one. And his name is Jesus. Now I know and understand why lots of people are not happy about this. Sounds too exclusive, too offensive, but it's true. Jesus is the saviour of the world, the only saviour of the world. The only gate, the only door through which we go in. The wonderful news is this. Jesus has unlocked the door for anyone to come in. Anyone can enter through him. No barrier is too big. Anyone can come. No sin is too great. Anyone can come, be forgiven and accepted by him. So if I were you by now, I'd be saying, Phil, what's this got to do with discipleship and what you said at the beginning? Well, it's to do with relationship with God. This is what I believe God has pressed on my heart. I'm reading a great book that was lent to me by uh, my wife, who it was lent by a member of the church, uh, about listening to God. And it's challenged me. It's called, Can You Hear Me? And it challenged me in the sense that I talk so much about a relationship with God. You know, I talked with people who are ex sort of expressing either an interest in faith or have no interest at all. But I talk about this relationship with God made possible through Jesus Christ. And I kind of was challenged to the core of, am I living up to what I say? How good is this relationship that I have with God? call to disciples today, Jesus' true sheep, is to listen to his voice, to be familiar with his voice, to find in him and him alone life and life in all its fullness, the life that Jesus promises. And sometimes I would say that our frustration with our walk with God comes because we're not listening to him. We've stopped listening or we've not stopped to listen. The Lord here is making a point about his voice, isn't he? Jesus is saying he has one. He uses it. And his sheep, those with ears to hear, hear and recognize his voice and follow. Now we're here, I guess we're here this morning because we have heard Jesus' voice. We have responded to his voice. And we have followed him. We are believers. We are followers of Jesus Christ. But he wants us to go more and deeper into him. To have the life in all its fullness that he promised. So it's wonderful to hear again that Jesus says that he speaks to us. And we can hear his voice. And we can recognize it. And we can respond to it. These words should create expectation. Sponsor hope and build faith in us. Because Jesus didn't say, well, my apostles hear my voice. And my prophets hear my voice. And my Baptist ministers hear my voice. And he said, my sheep hear my voice. 
And he didn't say, might hear. Could possibly hear. My sheep hear my voice. That awkward question that we ask each other of as ministers at Cornerstone is, do you hear God's voice? Are you listening to God's voice? How is your relationship with God right now? And you know what? It can become, even our prayer life, it can become like leaving messages on an answer phone. only me who recognizes this obviously but you know you rush into God's presence I'm going to pray now and you go through your prayer and and it's as if you've left a message on the answer phone you've prayed and then you're off in the hope that he will eventually check his messages and get back to you the wonderful thing is here He invites us to answer his call. He is always calling, always speaking. He doesn't invite us to join a queue, not on hold. You know, not like when you ring BT and they say your call's important to us and da-da-da. But we're very busy at the moment. You're in a queue. The estimation of this queue is 25 minutes, and you say, oh, fine. He called us, and we respond. Our task is to take the time to listen. That would be a hallmark of a disciple, taking time with God. How would we expect to have a relationship with God if we never have time? How would you have a relationship with anybody if you didn't have time for that relationship? Our task is to tune in. And whether it's in prayer on that personal level of relationship, or whether it's when we're reading the scriptures, and again, that can become a chore to us as disciples. I mean, I was with Daniel this week with the ministers, and and he'd got this incredible statistic of how many Christians pick up their Bible from one week to another. People who would say that they're followers of Jesus Christ. It was less than 10%. I mean, that's... (laughs) It just blew me away. As if we as those can rely on what we've heard years ago. When God wants to speak afresh into our lives, a new thing, a new word through his word. But again, if you're like me, sometimes our scripture reading can be, do it to get it done, rather than to listen and to meditate, to ask God to feed you and speak to you. Maybe just through one verse and carry. Maybe you just, this week, carry this chapter with you. John chapter 10. Carry it every day. Read it every day and just ask God to speak. Does God speak to you in the preaching and teaching that you hear? 
whether live on a Sunday morning or whether you hear and listen to tapes and DVDs and things like that, or in worship. Worship is our response to God, yes, but we're also wanting to hear from him. It's a two-way thing. Do we recognize his voice in our conscience, sometimes in our conviction, and in the circumstances of life when Jesus speaks to us through those things? Are we listening? Because listening can begin to transform that relationship with God. It's not just a one-way thing. It can transform. I've been um, reading this book, as I said, and trying to put into practice some of the things. And in my intercessions for people, you know, some of you will know my dad is really, really unwell at the moment. And, and I'm bringing him before God every day. And, and you know, and it gets this like, exasperating sometimes. And I'm bringing him, and I'm trying to listen to what God is saying. Because God must have something to say about this. <laughs> and whether he says, as I'm sure I heard him this week say, Phil, leave him with me. I love him more than you do. Our frustration is sometimes we don't stop to listen to him. We just leave it with him. As we bring people before the throne, before the cross, and pour out all the stuff in our hearts. Let's wait to listen. There's always a fear in that. Is it God speaking to me, or is it, you know, someone else, or is it? Well, God speaks according to His Scriptures. He won't contradict His Word. It'll build up. It will be a godly word. And the more we do it, we'll discern his voice. It can only be three voices, can't it? It can only be ourselves, the enemy or God. We need to discern the enemy's voice quite clearly, yeah. But sometimes he's quite easy. Because he's the one who speaks down. He brings down. He tears down. He hurts. God doesn't do that. Ask him at times when you don't know what to pray. Who do you want me to pray for today? You'll be amazed how sometimes he just puts someone in your mind. And you never thought of praying for that person. But God's brought into mind, her to mind. You can pray. And you'll be amazed sometimes. When it's just the right moment. The right time. There's also power in the corporate listening. So when we come together, our hungry meetings, our prayer meetings, and seek the voice of that true shepherd, we're able to pray and act with passion and authority. Because if we're praying in his will and we're praying with unity, we have authority as the people of God. The wonderful things that we do when we come together to pray for those who are sick, when we pray in unity, in the power of unity, we have authority in the name of Jesus. So the call today from this passage that I want to bring out is that call to hear Jesus' voice again, to get familiar with his voice again, to spend time 
asking him to lead us and guide us and mold us and make us. It can transform our evangelism as well, our, our desire to witness. Who would you put me in the path of today? Prompt me. Someone needs to hear about you today. Who is it, Lord? And let's be listening. So that what we say about having a relationship with God matches what we experience more and more and more. Then we will become more and more and more the radical disciples that Jesus calls us to be. More and more and more. That wonderful psalm, Psalm 23, that revelation to David when he knew that God was his shepherd in the light of Jesus, our good shepherd. If you meditate on that this week, how much more in the light of the cross and the resurrection does it mean to say, Jesus is my shepherd? He will supply my need according to his riches. He'll make me lie down in green pastures if I give the time. He will lead me beside quiet waters. He will restore my soul. He will guide me in paths of righteousness. And even if I have to walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because Jesus is with me. And his rod and staff comfort me. And Jesus is preparing for, for us something glorious. David received that revelation that God would prepare a banquet in front of his enemies. Well, Jesus says we're going to be with him for eternity. New heaven, new earth. We are his people. He is our shepherd. He will lead us. He will guide us. And if we go wandering off, he will follow. He will grab us. That's why he has a staff, big stick, crooked end. Yank you back in love. It's my testimony. I grew up in the church. I wandered so far away from God. And yet within, he just had to yank me back. And I came kicking and screaming. Till I realized how much he loved me. How much he'd done for me. How much he meant to me. Jesus is our good shepherd. Have we stopped listening? This week will we stop to listen? And again, just enter into that joy of having a relationship with God. Not based on what we can do for him and how good we are. and Just based on the fact that he loves us. Knows us by name. Calls us to walk with him. To follow him. To do life with him. That's quite exciting. If you find it a struggle, then today just make a decision 
do this week differently. Ask someone to pray with you. Go to our prayer uh, circle at the back. Just ask someone to pray with you. If you're struggling just in your relationship with God, no embarrassment, gosh, we all do. But let's take the time to listen to his voice that we might be the disciples he's called us to be. Let's just pray and then I'm going to ask Ali and the band to, to come back. Father God, we thank you for your word and your call to us to be your disciples. And we take that challenge because we want to be the people that you want us to be. We want to make a difference in this world. We know, Lord, that you've had your hand on us as a church. That there was a time when this church was going to close because there were so few, yet you brought life. And you've enabled this fellowship to plant out new churches. And we just want to press in for the more that you have for us. To be the radical people of God that bring a move of your spirit as we cry out and as we live out our life for you. And we just pray for your help, Lord. We thank you that you are our shepherd, Lord Jesus. And you know us by name and you call us. Help us to hear you more clearly, to walk with you more closely, that we may have that life that you promised, life to the full. Not a life that everything's okay and nothing bad happens, but a life with you. And use us, we pray, as we seek to follow you this week, to bring your light into dark places, to bring your hope to people who feel hopeless. Use each one of us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to respond uh, just by singing.